Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom will continue in the book of Genesis as we open up a new study. Here's Tom. Father, thank you so much this morning as we turn in your book and it says, In the beginning, Lord, thank you that you are the author of new beginnings. And we want you to make a new beginning in us today, Lord. That we should stop with any darkness, with any sin. We should have a new beginning now, Lord. A beginning with with God for a closer and more obedient walk with you, our Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, now, if you turn there to Genesis 1-1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We'll just have a little review from last week. Now, first of all, from last week, very important verse tells us that it's impossible to enter the kingdom of heaven without two essential changes. What's the first change? The first change that has to happen in anybody's life before he goes to heaven. First change, be converted. Okay, be converted. Second change, become as little children. All right, very good. Okay, so we need a little bit of brush up in it. Be, be, to become as a little child. I'm going to give you a way to remember this verse. Okay, this is, a, this is a number one priority. So this is the, the first thing. This is like the first thing. So therefore, it's found in the first book in the New Testament, which is the book of? Good, okay. And what we're talking about here is, is we're talking about, since the first priority in the book of, of, of uh, Matthew, is we're talking about an adult becoming like a little child. What's the legal age for an adult in the U.S.? 18, okay? And we want to become as a three-year-old, right? Matthew 18, 3. You remember that? Am I the only one who gets that? All right. <laughs> now, what word in Genesis 1-1, what word in Genesis 1-1 teaches us that we have to become like a little child? What word? Heaven. Heavens. Why? Because the Hebrew word for heavens, does anybody remember? Shamayim. Okay? And it's broken down as two words. And Mayim means water or waters. And Sham means over there. So when you get to the complicated discussion of, a, of what's up there and all the space and the black holes and everything else, you go outside like a little kid and water's coming down from rain and you say, water over there, that's all it is to it. That's like a little child's perception. All right. Now, we said last week that the gospel was a blank of life. What's the word? Promise. It's a promise of life. Okay, a promise of life. Now, a promise is like a contract, remember? So it's a contract. We saw last, last week that God drew up this promise or this contract of life before the, in the beginning. And now tell me one thing that God did not do with this contract or promise of life. What did he not do? He does not determine who's going to sign that contract. He does not foredetermine who's going to sign the contract of life. But tell me, what did God do with regard to this contract of life? He did do something before. What was it? He, he pre-signed it, and he also knew who was going to sign this. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate, that they should be conformed to the image of his Son. So how many people does God want to be saved? Everyone. Everyone. Verse John 3, 16, 1 Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men to be saved, not just the ones you like, <laughs> but all men, right? How many is God willing to see perish? 
None. Second Peter 3, 9. Not willing that any should perish. None. Not even the ones you don't like. <clears throat> Not one. Now, why does God want all men to be saved? Because he made them. He made men, right? John 1, 3. Without him was not anything made that was made. That includes the people you like, the people you don't like. He wants all people to be saved. Now tell me from last week, one of several things that God did before the in the beginning, before. Now again, what did he do? Some things are spoken about in the Bible. What did he ordain? That Jesus would die for us. That Jesus would be the Lamb of God. That was given to us in 1 Peter 1, 19-20. Also, in Revelation 13, 8, he foreordained he would be slain from the foundation of the world. And as far as we're concerned, what did he foreordain about those whom he foreknew? What did he foreordain? He foreordained that we should be conformed to the image of his Son. That we should be, according to Ephesians 1, 4-5, we should be holy. He foreordained that we should be holy. He foreordained that we should be without blame. He foreordained that we should be adopted. He did all this. And then he further foreordained or he predestinated that in the trials and afflictions that we have in life that we will fulfill his purpose. He's got a purpose for us in the trials and afflictions we go through. He's foreordained we should fulfill that purpose. He's not only done that, but he's foreordained that we should have grace, right? No temptation taking you such as is common to man, but God will with the temptation make a way of escape. That's grace. He foreordained the grace beforehand that we had have enough grace, the right grace, just to go through the trial. And then we saw also last week in Matthew 25 that he prepared for us a kingdom that we should inherit. He made an inheritance for us. Now, when we come to the phrase, in the beginning, that phrase to us should trigger with us three concerns when we read in the beginning. First, when you hear the phrase in the beginning, what comes to your mind? That's right, beginning of what? And also, if there's a beginning, then there may be a, an end. That's right, an end. So when you hear the word in the beginning, it brings to mind, well, is there an end? Well, some things in the Bible have a beginning and they don't have an end, right? Eternal life is that way. When a person is born again from receiving the Jewish Messiah as Lord and Savior, he has a beginning of a new life, an eternal life. It has no end. But here we're talking about something that does have an end. Now, we know that the heavens and the earth that's referred to here in Genesis 1-1 has an end. It has an end. And if you, if you want to jot it down in Isaiah 65-17, he said, Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not even be remembered. Well, he doesn't say not even. And the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Well, you could say not even remembered. So what is he saying there? He's saying that what you see, you like act one? You like act one? The creation? You ain't seen nothing yet. God's saying, wait till you see what's coming next, called the new heavens and a new earth. Because he's going he's to be finished with this one, and the next one is going to be so spectacular, he said, you won't even remember all the wonders that are down here. That's something. Can't wait, huh? How about you? Okay, now, Psalm 102, verse 25. Now, let's turn to that. Psalm 122. No, 102. 102, verse 25, okay? And you see here what it says? It says, of old, it's a long time ago, hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. The work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure 
Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shall thou change them, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. So you know what God's saying? He says, as far as the heavens and the earth go, he says, fold them up, put them down. God said, he said, that's what's going to happen. Fold them up. God's going to take the earth. He's like an old coat. He's going to give it to goodwill. That's what he's going to do. Just like Pastor Jim always picked up his clothes. Well, on Friday, he left some clothes behind. Called his body. Stepped out of his body. Went to heaven. First consideration for us, knowing that this heaven, this earth, the sky, the earth is going to pass away from this earth. First consideration, don't get attached to it. Don't get, don't get aligned with it. Don't say, oh, I always want to live in San Diego. Here I am in San Diego, most beautiful place on the earth. I don't want to go over there place. Don't do that. Don't look at your house and say, now I got to get it just perfect, just perfect, just right. Don't look at your possessions and say, I need to just buy this and then I'll be happy and then I'll be complete. Don't do that. Be like Abraham. Abraham probably didn't even have an inventory of all the stuff that he made everybody else carry around for him. Because he didn't have a house. It was so remarkable. He was a rich man. But he just, he just lived in a tent. And it became like a lapel pin for him, a tent. It was a lapel pin for Abraham. That was Abraham's insignia, a tent. Why? Because he didn't want to do house cleaning. No. Why? Because he did that because he was making a statement. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. It's not, I'm not satisfied down here. There's crime here. There's corruption here. There's violence here. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And I'm going to be ready to move anytime. So color my house a tent. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ asks a very sobering question. Turn to it in uh, Luke 12, verse 16 through 21. It's very interesting, this account that the Lord Jesus Christ gives for us here in Luke 12, verses 16 through 21. He spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man, now, rich man, okay, brought forth plentifully, bumper crop. And he thought within himself, saying, oh, what should I do? What shall I do? He's got a lot of headaches now. Because I, don't have, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he says, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns, build greater. There will I bestow all my goods and my, my fruits and my goods. And, and then I'll say to my soul, I don't know if you talk to your soul, but he talked to his soul. I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and marry. He said, but, full stop, God, in contrast to his conversation with himself, God has a conversation with him. And God said unto him, thou fool, this very night, this night, thy soul will be required of thee. Then, now here's 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 the question, very sobering. Then, whose Shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that, that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Did you see the dilemma of it all? He said, what should I do? This is really weighing on him. I don't have enough room. So is he lazy? He's not lazy. 
He's not slothful. He's just, uh, he's a whirlwind. He's spinning his energies and his creativities, and they've all gone into gear, and he's just consumed. How am I going to store this? How am I going to maintain this? How am I going to protect this? Maybe it was better if it didn't have the big bumper crop. I don't know what he's thinking. He says, it was a great idea. Tear down, build again. Now the Lord has one question. When we look at that, and we should look and learn and apply to ourselves and say, don't do that. And the Lord says one question, and that question is, whose are those things going to be? After he laid all these things out, you know, Goodwill stores are a good place to go. Because, you, I don't know, Bert Poole, Muriel's husband, Bert Poole used to love to go to Goodwill stores. Anybody remember that about him? <laughs> and he would go and he would say, look what I got and look how much I paid for it. And then he would say, I wonder who, I wonder who got rid of this. This is a treasure, only in his eyes. And this, and, and, but that's the question that God is saying. Whose are those things going to be? You know, there's an incredible show on TV. I don't know if you've ever seen this, about candy spelling. Have you ever seen this? The Selling the Spelling Mansion, it's called. And, and her, she's the wife of Aaron Spelling, a rich man. And the Spellings lived in a very modest 56,000 square foot house. <laughs> <laughs> and he died in 2006. And, and she was left just with all that stuff. And she, and poor Candy Spelling, she, she's really a charming person. She reminds me of my mother. She's, she's, it's, it's, it's really, she's, she's charming. But anyways, she has to sell this $85 million house with a garage for 100 cars. Just so they would always have a car available. So the TV show is all about the stress of her having to downsize to a very, very modest 17,000 square foot condominium that she bought for $47 million in Century City. Sad, isn't it? It took, over th- <laughs> it took over 30 moving vans just to get the stuff out into a giant warehouse. And she's just consumed with managing. That's what the show's about, is the stress that she's going through and the management of all this stuff. That's something to watch, like this parable. Look, learn, apply. Don't spend your life. Like that. We have an end. Our bodies have an end. How much we're aware of that from Pastor Jim's graduation. We're only here on temporary assignment. We're just here on temporary assignment. We have a, we have, we have a green card. That <laughs> we have a green card to be here on temporary assignment. We've got to get a job done. We've got to go home. We've got to go to the place where our citizenship is. As we've seen from this first chapter in Genesis, God sure made a lot of decisions. Now thinking about the Jewish people, Tom, what was a paramount decision in the history of the Jewish people? Well, there were many decisions on the part of the Jewish people that determined very much what happened to them. But there was one decision in particular that God put to them very early And it's spoken about in the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses spoke to the Jewish people in the 30th chapter and the 19th and the 20th verse. And it goes like this. Moses said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days. Well, there are many really important decisions that the Jewish people made in their history. But there's one that's called out. It's very important. It's Moses is speaking for God. It's in the Torah. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. It's the 30th chapter, and it's the 19th, and it's the 20th verse. And it reads like this. God speaking through Moses. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, and that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This is so important what Moses is saying to the Jewish people. He says, it's so important, God says, I've just sent out an alert to heaven and to earth. I want everybody to stand at attention and to listen because I'm recording this day. I'm recording through my servant. He's called Moisha Nehemiah. I'm calling through my faithful servant, Moses, to record this day against you. What's the big record here that God is, is it wants recorded? Very simply, he says this, I, he starts off, God says, I have done this. I have set before you, my Jewish people, life and death, blessing and cursing. See what God has said? He said, this is what I'm doing in this period of time, which we call your life. Your life is a choice because I've set this course here in front of you. You can go to this hand, and you can have life, or you can go this side, you can have death. The choice is yours. It's between life, it's between death. It's between blessing, it's between cursing. God said, this is what I've done in life. I've set this before you so that you will have the choice, you will exercise the choice, and whatever you choose, that's gonna be it. And when God says, I'm calling heaven and earth to see what you're going to choose, it means that he wants to see what you're going to choose. Your choice is yours. Are you going to choose life? Are you going to choose death? Are you going to choose the blessing of God? Are you going to choose the cursing of God? And so then God says, therefore, I'm not only setting it before you, but now I'm also standing here in the capacity as your advisor. 
And I'm advising you, choose life, choose life, choose life. Look, the choice is there. And so I've said it there, life and death, blessing and cursing. But now I'm saying, listen to my word. Listen to my advice. Listen to the Torah. Listen to the book of Proverbs especially because I'm telling you, will you please listen to me? Choose life, choose life. Why? Because God's the God of life and he wants us to have life but he set before us a choice. And so he's saying, I want you to choose life because I want you to live. How many people does God want to live? Everybody. How many people does God want to go to heaven? Everyone. How many people does God want to die in hell forever? No one. But he set the choice. He's made it so that man chooses if he's gonna go to heaven or he's gonna go to hell. Man chooses his destiny. God says, I set them both before you. You want to be proud? You want to say, I'll work my way into heaven? I'll impress God? I'll become a righteous person? I'll be righteous? God said, that's the way to hell. And that's your choice. You want to humble yourself? You want to receive God's sacrifice, the Lamb of God, God who became a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, so he could die on a cross for your sin, and you accept that sacrifice like Moses told the Jewish people to take the lamb and to kill the lamb and to put the blood on the top of the door and on the two side posts, by the way, in the shape of a cross. He said, you want to follow those directions from God, then you chose life, and you're gonna live. You're gonna have blessing. You wanna say, no, I don't want God's provision. I don't care that he became a man, that God became a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna say to the Lord Jesus Christ, no, thank you. Then you chose cursing. God says, I set it all before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. And then God says, would you please choose life? And he sends servants like Moses saying, choose life, choose the sacrifice that God provided. He sends other servants like me saying, please choose life that thou may live and thy son, thy seed may live. And he says, and this is the program, God says, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God. So you give your heart to him. That's why we call this friendship with God. He says, I want you for a friend. I want you to love me. And then he says, that thou mayest obey his voice. Not just his words, but his voice. You know what the word of God is? You know what the Torah is? You know what the Bible is? It's the voice of God. That's why he said that you should live from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why when he created man, out of the dust, he put his mouth on God's on, on man's nostrils and he breathed into him the breath of life. It's all about the life comes from the friendship. The life comes from the relationship. And so he says, I want you to love the Lord your God. I want you to obey his voice. And then he says that thou mayest cleave unto him. And then he says, for he is thy life. It's not it, 
is thy life. It's not a religion is thy life. It's not a denomination is thy life. It's not a community is thy life. It's not a doctrinal statement is thy life. It's he, it's him, it's the person. Who? The person of God. Who? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is thy life. When Adam was created and he was laying there with no life, and if he, you ask the question, Adam, where's your life, Adam? Where's your life? Adam had to wait for the big him, the he, who? God himself, who came and breathed into Adam the breath of life. Then Adam became a living soul. He is thy life. He was thy life when you were created, Adam. He is thy life now that you've fallen into sin, Adam, because the one who created you and gave you life before you sinned is the same one who became a man and died for you and paid for your price, and now he's going to give you life again, Adam, the life that you lost, Jewish people, the life that we all lost because of sin, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel became a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that he could give us life. That's what Moses meant in the Torah when he said, he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Thank you for joining us today. Today's message and previous messages are available for listening or free to download from our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org or you can contact us directly by phone at 1-800-247-3051 and we can send you a copy of today's broadcast. Thank you for joining us today and we'll continue in Genesis tomorrow.